Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my horny guild friend from the deep and co-host... Alex Dandino. I was wondering where you're going to do with this one. I'm like, I respect that. That's good. Yeah, it was that or mutilated dog corpse of a friend, but that just felt very aggressive. <laughs> that feels a little aggressive. I'll take horny guild friend. That that makes sense to me. That's fine. Horny guild man friend. Yes. So this is a special double feature, guys. This is where we take two movies. Uh, we put them together so they can get their stank on each other. The mixing them together like different colored Play-Dohs to create something new and magical. Uh, so for tonight's double feature, uh, it's romance under the water night. That's what I I'm choosing to think of this as. Wow. Although not often as romantic as you might. Think. I got I gotta say, if this is your idea of romance, I gotta talk to Amy and maybe we'll should get her to a shelter or something like that because these movies are not romantic in the slightest. Again, yeah, again, because my my first titles always come off aggressive. It's gonna be rape and bubbles, but I feel like. <laughs> Not inviting to the people. <laughs> not nearly isn't not nearly as inviting and open to the rest of the crowd. Right. So for tonight's double feature, we will be examining first Humanoids from the Deep. This is a classic, taught political drama. <laughs> Man wow. versus science versus beast. <laughs> you are digging uh, deep. I'm gonna explain all that. And uh the lure which is a Polish musical horror fairy tale. Strange movie, but really fucking fun movie. Can't wait to do that one, too. But we start tonight with Humanoids from the Deep. Alex, would you like to hit me with your initial thoughts on this fucking cracker of a movie? Oh, sure. Um, Pure crap. Just going to say right now, right up front. How uh, dare you? See, the, I don't think it is, man. Of all the movies we have watched so far on this show, this is the first movie I can tell you has almost no artistic value whatsoever. It, Are you kidding it me? It actually lacks almost everything you need for a movie to be a movie. And... <laughs> Other than the fact that it has been, <laughs> other than the fact that it has been committed to celluloid, that is probably the best thing I can say about this movie is that it was filmed. It employed people for a time. That is. For I'm sure. glad that you swam directly into my net trap, fool. Oh sure. Now yeah. I now I dissect you on the scientific lab of movies. Oh yeah. Here's what happened. Oh, was there a lot of dissection in that movie? I must have missed that part. Yes, but, there is actually. Oh. It's very deep. No pun intended. This is the thing. From your ivory tower of white male privilege, <laughs> you totally missed the whole fucking point of the movie, my friend. Uh, That's what happened. You didn't dig deep enough. You're like one of the clumsy humanoids on land. You didn't see how graceful they are when they hit the subtext of the deep waters. Please enlighten me, because I got to be honest. I, all I saw was text in that film. Okay, so here's the Pure first text. Off, Let's just start off by one of the weirdest anomalies of this movie. This movie has a James Horner score. How the fuck did that yeah, happen? Yeah, <laughs> this must be like the very beginning of his career. He like <laughs> this is also a really important thing. Is this is a Roger Corman movie? Like this is right. Who's also goes uncredited? Like he uh, he this this was this is a Roger Corman movie. Originally, Joe Dante was supposed to direct it, and Joe Dante read it and said no. And uh, see if Joe Dante had done it, it would have been probably exactly what you accused it of. Right. Well, but here's the, but this is the fascinating thing, and this is what I find really 
interesting about the whole production process. So Barbara Peters is actually the director of this movie, the credited director. Mm-hmm. She turned it into Corman. Corman said it doesn't fit his what he calls his maxim, which is fish kill like the fish the monsters kill men and then they rape the women. Did not fit his <laughs> did not fit his maxim because the kills were amazing, but all right. of the rape scenes with these naked women were um, particularly uh, shadowy and actually like used a lot of cutaways and they did not prefer mud that. covered. Yeah, not, <laughs> apparently these male directors did not prefer that from the female director, so they kicked her off the project. And um, someone else, the guy who directed Death Stalker, uh, went in and re- <laughs> went in and reshot all the rape well, scenes. Someday so we'll do Death Stalker one and two on this show. Yeah, hopefully. we should. <laughs> but, but here, but here's the ahead. thing, though, right? This movie, to me, right, on, on its very surface levels, right, this is uh, a rubber suit monster and tit flick. Yeah. For sure. It is, it's aimed right at that kind of lizard brain male audience member who yeah. will sit there and do like a, you know, late, this is like a late night cable access kind of movie. Yeah. But I think what's funny is if you look at this movie from Barbara Peters' perspective, I think this entire movie is just a fucking shot across the ballot. Toxic masculinity. Oh, there's everything no doubt in, in my this movie mind. is just aimed at aren't men the fucking absolute worst? There's absolutely are. no doubt in my mind that every single thing in this movie is meant to do that. Like that is the full blown intention of Barbara Peters as the director. The problem is, is this movie was then taken from her and edited by men and put and a bunch of rape and gratuitous nudity was put in to take away that actually really great subtext that you get from any of the science but, scenes. But like, this is the funny part, right? That almost makes it better. Because then within the film, you're just re- reinforcing her point constantly. Well, I mean, what it is is like once you read the production stories, it actually does reinforce the point of Barbara Peters being the director of the movie and then it being completely taken away from her. So the context of the movie and how it was made makes the movie more interesting if you watch it through that lens because afterwards exactly once you learn those kinds of little tidbits about the behind the scenes stuff it does refocus the film a little bit however if you're taking it on face value it is yes a rubber suit movie but it also lacks so much tell me how shocked you were when you find out this movie was directed by a woman I mean, the opening credits, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I, like but that's the thing. You don't know yet what's coming. So right. like, See, okay. that's the thing. You don't know what's coming. And like when it started, I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. Like a woman is direct. Not only that, it's made in 1980, which is arguably still. I mean, it's always the worst time for women in this business. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel terrible a lot of the time because these two movies particularly watch. And we'll get to the lure. But like we've. Both these movies are directed by women, but I texted you while I was watching the lore. I'm like, is there any way better way to say this mo- that men are total dog shit in this business than two movies about like people like women for like women having to deal <laughs> with women having to deal with like the darkness of 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 male nature? Like it's horrible. Yeah. So okay. So so to dive into the film, Go there, for it. dude, I'm just full of puns right now. I'm not even intending this at all. Oh, that's gonna happen. So we start a off in a, a quaint, idyllic, uh, racist fishing village. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we walk. We walk to the docks and we meet a young T. S. Quint. It looks like with his nice little afro. 
Just being racist as hell, right, to this Native American fella. Yeah, notes of Billy Jack uh, echo here, by the way. Yeah, right? There's just a basic, <laughs> you know, like just we're setting off right off. It's like, wow, this is kind of a nice little atmosphere, like nice little fishing community. Everyone, he has a nice, like, uh, you know, Vic Morrow has a nice little, you know, conversation with this other guy. The, right. Everyone seems real friendly, and then they're like, before you move here, racism. <laughs> Lots of racism. Just so you know, we're chock full here, so if you're invited... Yeah. Come on in, but otherwise, no. So then, so we get this, and this family goes out. So they're all salmon fishers. <laughs> they go out on the boat. <laughs> There's this kid that you just empathize with so much, because I was the kid who got dad, uh, dragged to work with my dad as he built houses all the time. You're just like, this is fucking the worst. This poor little fat kid just reading comics, just getting reamed. Yeah. You didn't do the fucking gas. The winch isn't working. It's like, Dad, I'm sorry that your business is so horrible and you've chosen this shitty life for yourself. I just want to see Wonder Woman lasso some people. <laughs> you know I mean? So this poor little fat devil's getting berated by his father. Meanwhile, they've got something in the net. We do an almost iconoclastic shot, right? We're kind of stealing the Gilman hand shot. Uh, Gilman stuck in the net. Right. It's not enough that the Gilman then escapes, but we also explode the whole boat. This movie is a movie that is constantly blowing things up that shouldn't actually blow yeah. up. Explode the, not only that, explode <laughs> the whole boat, but right before the little boy is just fucking ripped from ripped asunder from the boat, and the like. The dad that gets like true. five minutes of grief, and then his boat explodes. Still, yeah, it's weird because the dad sees his son fall in the water, and then they do this shot they do constantly, right? Of this like gush underwater gusher of blood. Yeah, yeah. And the dad's like, "No, I gotta save him," and it's like. That kid's dead. You really did not seem very concerned until he was fish meat. <laughs> right, yeah. You really were a tremendously horrible father until you realized you no longer had these responsibilities. Yeah. So not only are these people in town in the town of Noyo racist, but they also clearly don't give a shit about their kids until they're <laughs> fish food. That's Yeah, their their kids are employees on the clock. This is the kind of town we're in, just to set it up. So this so but yeah, so he accidentally tips the gasoline. So we have a kid super eaten bloodied everywhere right kind of shocked they didn't show his corpse this is the movie that pulls no punches with things like that right yeah uh and then yeah he spilled gasoline on the uh the deck the the ship's captain tries to fire a flare somehow hits the deck explosion rather than just the boat burning full-on fucking explosion by the way, and this is this is a common thing we come back to constantly. By the way, this is part of the mantra, right? It's tits and explosions the, and blood. The, That's this the movie. captain firing the uh, firing the flare. I was like, oh, he's going to call for help. And then he literally purposely points the flare down into the I'm like, That's just you're just doing you're just suicide bombing now. Like, that's all this is. You're not even Do you trying think to he walked out onto this uh, this desperate tragedy of humanity. And he took in the bloody water. He took in the the futility of the father's grief. He looked around at his lot in life and he said, I've had enough, Lord. Oh, 100%. this is a deep philosophical moment. This was not something just to create an explosion. Oh, I thought for I thought at first for sure. I, like the first time I watched it, I actually rewound it because I was like, what just happened? But uh, <laughs> you'll you'll find that I did that a lot during this movie, by the way, I had to. <laughs> I have stopped and rewound this movie at least five times going, I don't understand the context of what's going on here. <laughs> and I was like, I was actually paying attention the entire time. But I rewound the movie and I was like, I don't understand why the boat just exploded. And I, I'm like, oh, this is totally a murder-suicide. That's exactly what that was. There's no other rational explanation other than him just to go, you know what? Fuck it. 
and just I'm just saying in a movie in a Corman movie like this to get such a profound moment of humanity. The fact, beautiful. The fact that I'm helping your cause does pain me so, but I can't. <laughs> but I can't, I'm just saying this might have been a missed gem of narrative story. But I can't, in good conscience, assume that he just pointed it down. He's like, "Well, fuck it." Like I'm assuming it's a murder, murder suicide. Otherwise, it's just bad filmmaking. I can't believe they didn't do like the yakety sack, like <laughs> slip and banana whistle. <laughs> like that would have been the shit, actually. Yeah, and we're not. I, I like deep dives into the soul and the human experience, but I could have done a, a slide whistle. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I can I can always use a good slide whistle in a Corman movie, especially. Yeah, I like this too because we go straight from this like ridiculous explosion scene. And then there's like, you know, kind of like this. Well, this is weird. People keep dying. No one's going to want to move here now. And then immediately the next thing we see is just fucking dog murders galore. Yeah. Oh, there's lot. that awesome shot of the fucking humanoid. It's the first time we see it. And he's actually like violently strangling this dog as it fights back. Yeah. And it struck me. It's like So in the first very few minutes of this movie, brutal child murder and not just like a yelp, like a cutaway and a yelp. We're actually watching him throttle the shit out of this dog. <laughs> and this gets back to the 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 subterfuge against men, right? Yeah. What is a dog but man's best friend? I like the idea that the guys who made John Wick watched this movie and were like, man, that is some fucking... <laughs> John, John Wick would go fucking ham in this town. <laughs> I like the idea that those guys watched Humanoids from the Deep, though. We're like, man, that is way too fucked up. We cannot make a dog do it like that kind, that level of do dog killing think in our movie. That this is where John Wick is leading. I think this is where John. But now the humanoids have kind of fucked their way into like ruling our society, and John Wick's just fighting his way up the ladder until he finds the humanoid queen. I think that's exactly what it is. I think the continent. She sits on a throne of dog skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, whoa, and that's then a- they fight. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened. I, I mean, there's no way that there's no way that John Wick is not somehow connected to this movie. I just there's there's so many dog deaths in this film that yeah, well, because then we cut to the docks, right, and all the fishermen's dogs have been just slaughtered, <laughs> just mangled, except for the Native American guy's dog. So what is any? Because this is the best part too. The fucking uh, racist young T. S. Quint shows up, and they have a truck that has maybe thirty to forty cases of beer. Yeah. Huge cases of beer. Not only that, they're going to go Quint, out and work. T.S. Quint gets out of the driver's seat drinking a beer. I'm like, great. This town is incredibly safe. Nobody- it's back when men were men. No. That you know is- what I mean? <laughs> no, but it's another little visual cue of look at these fucking assholes. Look at. And what's his response to saying all oh, their dog's dead? And oh, one dog survived. Not one dog survived. You know what? I'm going to go fucking slaughter that dog myself as yeah. we find out. Because then we go to the fish fry. And this is maybe. This is the moment that your your um, empathy box overfloweth, right? Because you're like, look at these sad, morose motherfucks, dude. It's all flannels and fucking tech vest. But like old tech vest, like sad people tech vest. Yeah. Not like the cool ones, <laughs> if there are cool ones. Were there, were, there, were there cool ones? I must have missed that part. I mean, I've seen, I've seen trendy people do that in exercising situations. Not that I'm ever in them. It's a Google. But, <laughs> but no. So we go to this salmon fry. We cut into just the saddest fucking band. The mayor just looks like he wants to hang himself. He's like three sheets to the wind already. He's yeah. like over there spreading like, you know, racist conspiracy theories with the sheriffs. Like, so is the Indians, right? The Indians definitely the way, ate our dogs. How much, time in the, how much time in this scene do we spend with that fucking old banjo player? I feel like it is gratuitous. Like, You know what's funny? He gets like five shots in this movie. Yeah, he gets a lot of screen time. I don't know who he is. Or the slowest banjo playing ever. 
<laughs> the deformed child in deliverance seems more proficient than this fucking slowly dying on the stool old banjo player. <laughs> no, so this scene just my my sadness unfolds enormously. This is where we're introduced to the the big wigs at the cannery. Yeah, yeah. Canco. But this 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 is an important moment, right? So this sets up our our political drama. The white man wants to bring in business and exploit the workers. The Native Americans want the land back for what it was supposed to be for their ancestors. Right. I mean, this kind of this kind of given poll, man, Manchurian candidate level stuff right here. Oh, how dare you bring that into this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I always know the buttons. No, so but this is where we meet maybe the most important character in the movie. This is where we meet Susan Drake. Yeah. She is an atypical character for this kind of movie. To me, she becomes the avatar for our female director. Tall, powerful. Like the first time Vic Morrow sees her right at the punch table, he kind of looks at her cross-eyed and then tries to go up and stiffen up on his tiptoes just so he can be slightly taller than her. Right. You know, he's already intimidated of her. She never cowers. She's never in the like, oh, I just need a man. You know, her yeah. boobs aren't flying out. Oh, they even with her, they even do the underwater um like butt and vagina shot, which they do to every woman in this movie. Yeah. Cause that's the shot they have to let you know that now the humanoids have got the scent, right? <laughs> They're on the scent once your your lower half's underwater. Oh my dear. When God. they do it with her, she's in frumpy uh like water protective leggings. Yeah, yeah. So they're not sexualizing her at all in this movie. So I I think she's actually a pretty interesting character to to come into this movie, right? Yeah. I mean, she's the reason the movie she's the reason the movie continues on. Like if she was not in this movie, there's no way this movie would have lasted beyond half an hour. Like it's just <laughs> And actually, so like we ran out of budget on the the tit budget. It's over. And actually, the actress Ann Turkle apparently hated the movie so much she tried she petitioned the Screen Actors Guild to get it uh, denied release. <laughs> like she was so See? upset by this movie. This is a really it's really fascinating. Like I was like after watching it, I'm like, how did this movie come out? And I started reading like all these articles and these little tidbits, and I was like. Oh, it almost didn't because it was so fucking bad. Got it. Okay, cool. Great. Now we can. Right. Well, back then, this was on the verge of when movies like this were constantly coming out, yeah, right? You yeah. would get several horror movies straight to VHS releases at a time. This is probably slightly before that event. Yeah, this is right before they started doing all, like, actually figuring out the direct to, the, the direct to video approach. But yeah, this is like. That... <laughs> I mean, this yeah. This movie became, like, a staple at one point. Like, this, this was a precursor to. That kind of boom. Oh, absolutely. But um, there, there's a so we cut from inside to Susan Drake to a parking lot brawl. This again, this is another one of those. Let's just show men as the worst, dumbest, yeah, uh, version of the human race. <laughs> just these guys in a parking lot brawl. I love the scene when the truck fucker opens the the glass window and gets socked in the eye. <laughs> Classic. But this again, this movie does so much. To just show you how fucking terrible every like, man in yeah, this village honestly, is. Honestly, every man in this village. Like, I thought, I honestly was expecting this movie to end with, like, uh, the village, like, burning down. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes total sense. Like, I figured they'd just, like, say, you know what? The only way we're going to get them to go away is if we, like, burn them alive. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody, including the men, died. And I'm like, well, that makes total sense because everybody in this movie, save for Susan Drake, is a piece of shit. Like, it's. <laughs> 
it's truly one of those movies I watched. And I was like, I'm just shocked we're here because there's so much in this movie that doesn't make sense. Like visually there's like, I, I, I texted you about it. like towards the end of the movie, there's this big, uh, carnival, the big carnival scene. <laughs> out of the second fish festival they've had in like two weeks yeah that's all they do is have salmon that's festivals all they do is so they have, they, they have salmon festivals and you know have people trying to like but in the middle of so in the middle of this like scene it's actually important to the plot of the movie whatever the plot is out of nowhere there's just like a random shot of some woman showering and like her boobs pressed up at, <laughs> her like her boobs pressed up against her shower curtain cut back and in the back of my head i'm like oh well that'll come back like i'm sure like one of the was one... that not the mom in the house showering no she put her kid in the playpen to shower i was it well i guess her hair was kind of curly her, and not wet was in the next and scene curly i think maybe that was supposed to be the mom okay well that would make much more sense if i could like you couldn't see but her see, face. No, you get to another point, though, right? This movie does a ton of the POV creep shot. Yeah, a lot. Right, where there's, like, a woman just in a house, whether she's in lingerie or whatever. Right. And there's this creepy fucking POV outside shot. Yeah. There's- it's showing you how terrifying it is to be a woman in this fucking village. If that is where we're going with this movie, that would make a lot of sense, given, what's ha- given what happens, especially at the end. I would definitely right. not. But... Uh, the one thing I will say about uh, this movie is they do a lot of they do a lot of those POV shots, and almost always it ends up being a normal guy. It's never a fucking monster. It's just a normal dude skulking See, outside. That's Jane's the house. whole fucking point, man. That's the whole point. That social commentary makes sense to me. The rest of the See, movie, you got you got to dive deep, man. You got to do your work. No, like, humanoids is expecting you to do the heavy lifting. That's what this. Movie I didn't is. say that. I didn't say the movie didn't have layers. I said it is objectively a bad movie. That is. You just don't like the layers. No, the layers. <laughs> the layers when you ha- when you dive deep, the layers are what makes the like makes sense. The movie objectively as like a film is terrible. <laughs> like making this kind of movie and putting it like. Okay, let's let's put ourselves in the shoes of the 1980s. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of Roger Corman and these guys in the 1980s going to a premiere for this movie. I don't know about you, but like if I had been on the crew for this movie, I would not have been proud to be sitting there watching the You premiere. think they were already writing their acceptance speeches? <laughs> I think Roger Corman was going, "Man, we might win an AVN for this one. This is really good." <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs> this movie <laughs> one of my favorite things is what's coming up. This movie is definitely trying to scare people away from fucking in the outdoors. Oh, yeah. Hard. Which, to be fair, I, I've always been anti-fucking in the outdoors. There's a lot of bugs and uh, bits of trees, things that can, like, get yeah. in the wrong places. You don't need that. Not an outdoor sex person. No. Don't have sex outdoors. That's what this movie's teaching you. Because, uh, yeah, the people go outside, and there's something they do in this movie where they, they show a lot of women in bikinis. That look like they must be freezing to death. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that was one of the things I read was um, one of the um, scenes where the woman gets dragged into the water. The water apparently was so cold it turned the actress's lips blue. Like, oh yeah, I mean she looks miserable. Yeah, miserable. There's no, yeah, there's no one in this movie that looks, by the way, happy that they live in the in the town of Noyo. 
That's just good directing. No one would be happy to live no. there. Yeah. Like <laughs> Who it, the fuck would want to live there? I will say, if there's one thing Barbara Peters is really good at, it's keeping the consistency that why the fuck would anyone want, anybody want to live in A, a salmon fishing community, <laughs> and B, a salmon fishing community with racist assholes. Like, yeah, and the only fucking jam you can get is that banjo dude. Yeah. <laughs> the only good thing about this town is that they have an... A disproportionate amount of very beautiful young women. Yes. To uh, kind of old, fat, racist fishermen and then ventriloquist. This oh is, to God. me, the gem of the film, this- right? There, There is a scene where we are using... <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a guy and a girl in a tent. On the beach. And he's actually... He's lathering her up for sexual intercourse by doing a full ventriloquist routine i mean this movie gives think of them all the times you've seen a movie where someone's a magician and they try to make like the magician seem real sexy you're like uh it's still magic and magic is never cool this movie (laughs) takes it one step further it's like they sat there in the room and they were like what do you think would be like a thing no one would ever get laid doing oh magic for sure nah that's been done Ventriloquist? You're like, there are some David Blaine types. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that'll be as believable. What about ventriloquism? Holy shit. Yeah, that. <laughs> Let's make that. the, the like. And the girl's into it. That's the thing I don't understand. Like, Oh, she she seems like she would rather fuck the dummy. Yeah, she like, wants the dummy. It's but here's so the weird, weird thing, though, right? As they're doing the ventriloquist foreplay, you actually never see his mouth move. This is not even real ventriloquism. No. This is just some kind of... <laughs> ADR. <laughs> they all, yeah, they don't show the guy. They don't show the dude. They constantly cut away to the ventriloquist dummy because the guy clearly can't do it. So they never show the guy's face while the ventriloquist dummy is actually talking. I'm sorry. I can't believe we're talking about this in this movie. This is like. There is a huge part of me that would love to have seen the artistic choice to not have the guy there. Oh, Just wow. Just see this girl sitting there having this intimate moment. With this inanimate ventriloquist dummy. I gotta be that honest. adds all kinds of wrinkles. In fact, if that were just a movie in and of itself, I would watch that. And I got to say, like, that in and of itself is actually kind of fascinating. Like, imagine the wrinkle based on, like, what we're, like, based on the layers that we're taking with this film, which is that men are terrible. Like, that's an obvious layer. But imagine the wrinkle of a woman having sex on the beach in a tent with a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> Like it's, you know what it is? It's it's an early version of her. Yeah, it's this a woman it's has a fallen in love, and she has a broken psyche where there's a man she loves trapped inside of her brain, and she has bonded that inner demon to this fucking ventriloquist. It's dummy. a man she and can she control. hires this man Gigolo to just come be the the warm meat. Oh man, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> it's. I, I was shocked. Like we were, I was watching it. I'm like. For, for once, my wife wasn't home while I was watching these movies because I know she would have been like, what the fuck is this? But I was honestly, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Why is this guy, why does this guy think, you know what, there's one thing ladies love. It's inanimate objects that I talk to them through. That's for sure. That's a thing that's going to happen. Like, See, maybe that's your problem. You're assuming that he is there as more than just a dick. Uh, yeah, there's no way he's not. I mean, that would make more sense than him being the, like, but he talks to her. The guy talks to he her. He talks to her. That That's just like a, hey, man, don't get out of character. I'm not paying you for lip. 
That was the scene we were about to get until the brutal mauling of the Gill Man. Wait, well, doesn't yeah? The- this is this is the phase of the movie where we enter the um. This is the I didn't remember it being so rapey yeah. section of the movie because it was one of those. As I'm even watching, I'm like, by even talking about this film, it is a bit of a a, a smudge on you. Because you're like this. This movie loves rape. This movie. So much. This movie has a lot of it too. Like a lot of really uncomfortable. Like why? Yes. Like it's it. Probably by the third time you see this happen in the movie, you're like, I don't think this was. This doesn't make any sense. Like there's a lot of stuff in it that just like occurs. And you're like that is very uncomfortable. And then again, reading about it, like Barbara Peters was super against this, and because like. It's a really, it's a really typical like horror movie trope of like you know ripping a girl's shirt off and like the shirt is easily ripped off and her boobs flop out and there's this whole she thing. runs full frontal down the beach. Ah! Yeah, exactly. And then you know, and then the fish but man this takes is the her. thing though, it's right? Weird. By I don't know if there's an argument against because that's the thing when when you see a woman running from like a Jason Voorhees and her tits are bouncing around. Yeah, I don't know if that's more or less titillating than this but this is this is the weird thing where obviously they want the tits in there to draw the male audience but i don't know who the audience is that's like sweet rape boobs yeah super excited i mean it's like i gotta tell you i I get what you're doing like you know i'm down for uh, a gratuitous boob shot as much as the next man Sure. Perhaps not the rape, though. Yeah. Perhaps let's not put it in that context if i just because even the first girl he catches right she's like sliding around in the mud yeah so her naked body's covered in this gross mud it's just it it's this visual sickening representation of what this movie thinks the tits are doing yeah it's (laughs) it's super uncomfortable that and then like when they uh go to the like later in the movie when they find out like susan drake uh finds the like lair that all the fish dudes are living living at yeah, and they like they have like an alien's nest. Yeah, it's exactly what I thought. It's very much where the women are actually tied in and kind of wrapped in seaweed as part of the actual nest, right? And they're all still they're alive. incubating. It's it's very strange. See, th- this is the thing, though. I I like the very basic concept, right? I like the the company through genetic malfeasance right. has unleashed these monsters, right? Monsters coming back. It's it's Frankenstein setup. Mm-hmm. I dig that part. Yeah. That that we've unleashed this primal nature. Is this a next step? Are these things going to evolve and supplant us? Right. And I don't even mind. There's a, there's a weird, and again, this is kind of a weird ideal to add in a movie of this. These fishmen actually want these young, buxom women for their minds. Sure. Right? That's not how it plays visually at all. But no. when you think about it again in the context of, I always, I like to imagine this movie with Barbara Peter, Peters just as this, I'm going to outsmart these fucking rubes and I'm just going to jam so much feminist message up in here. Oh, yeah. I like It's it. disgusting because that's the thing. <laughs> not, I like to think, that, I like to think that that was better. her original cut for sure because she's just like, oh, man, Corman is not paying attention at all. I am going to jam this thing full, chock full of message and he's never going to notice. And like the only thing he knows is like, mm, there's not enough forced sex with the women. I think we need more of that. <laughs> Like, uh, it's, it's, it's cringy to say the least, It is, but the concept of them, they need to breed with us to keep up their evolution. It makes them an interesting kind of movie monster. Oh yeah. Cause in theory, wouldn't they just keep, you know, underwater pounding, making more and more and more of them. And somehow they'd have this kind of Atlantean 
you know, um, subspecies. They've already grown through the chemical. Yeah. They're already gaining intelligence. Their brains are becoming massive. They'll probably, through generations, keep using them. Right. The fact that they want to come on shore to find actual women suggests that this isn't just the speeding up of one prehistoric fish species. This is some kind of, this is almost like a xenomorph setup. We're just going to keep cross-pollinating and getting more and more good attributes. Again, could be digging way deeper into this than I need to. Well, it kind of like, I mean, it ends up being like, it's kind of funny because it ends up being like Canco is essentially like the precursor to David in the new Alien movies. (laughs) (laughs) David's skeleton is actually just all the old discarded salmon cans they didn't use. (laughs) No. I'd like to think that they're, that it was Susan Drake just like, I'm so fucking sick of fat beer guzzling flannel dudes and that banjo guy fuck all of you yeah because susan drake plays it both ways right she's she doesn't know and then we find out she does know and she was kind of responsible for this even though she's like i constantly was born in canco this isn't on me right but you you kind of know she pretty- and then we get this very iconic last shot of the movie right which is Holy they shit. They saved one of the girls. We cut to Susan Drake, who in the melee on the boardwalk has just disappeared. Yeah. We cut to Susan Drake, and she's in, like, an OR. She's in scrubs. Mm-hmm. We can tell this is a birth scene. The the humanoid-human uh, hybrid has burst from this girl's stomach, this disgusting little puppet. Right. Really fucking awesome horror movie moment. What Susan you- Drake is in on that. So she's a kidnapper. Right. She's propagating. So then you're like... I think there's more nefarious reasoning going on with this Susan Drake character. In a way, that last shot is Barbara Peters standing over this monstrous creation. Oh, yeah. Well, at the expense of women, perhaps. It's it's, it's, it's Barbara- a fun little <laughs> a visual poster of oh, for the backstory sure. of this movie. Like, to me, if that was how that's how the movie ended. And if none of the other like stupid sexual stuff happened in the movie, because really, you're right. Like the science fiction in this movie is fucking awesome. Like, it's fun. Like, there's no way you can't get around how kind of, like, fun that is of, like, you know, the alien aspect of it. So if the ending, though, was, like, let's say Susan Drake becomes, like, it's like the brood where she's, like, mind-controlling the alien alien hybrids. She's breastfeeding the fish and stuff. Yeah, dude. (laughs) No, but this is – so that's what I mean. I I like the creatures. I like the blood and gore effects. Sure. Um. When I was young, I watched this movie just as I liked it. And, yeah, it's like every young teenage guy was like, oh, boobs. <laughs> I didn't quite have the the concept yet of, mm, this is very yeah. – because that's the thing. You're watching this kind of absurd movie. You don't feel as if – you don't you don't take in the weight of what is you're watching. No. You're just like, ah, oh, tits. Like, no one's actually right. in danger. It's tits. Again, it's – As you get older, it's very cringy. But there is this really fun sub-layer of monsters. And I – I like the monsters. I like the gore effect. I like the idea of this creature cross breeding and creating sure. hybrids. Like all of that is fun. Right. Even the boardwalk scene to me, right? I this is something I found this this viewing around. I've seen this movie several times, more than I would care to admit. <laughs> I I like that this time around I sat and I watched it and you just you're looking at these various archetypes of men. And these horrific men characters and kind of this sad little society they built. Like, we totally glossed over the uh, the very sexist uh, radio guy. Oh, yeah. 
who at one point moves the girl's sash and just says, I might have my hands full. <laughs> and you're like, what a piece of shit. Like, at the end, he does try to stand between her and a humanoid, though. He has a moment of, like, brief. Mild redemption. Hey, those are mine. <laughs> those are mine. Get out of here, fish. <laughs> There's also the great moment where the Native American guy uh, saves the racist. Yeah. Oh, and you're yeah. like, see? Reconciliation, man. There is some. There is some. There, good- there was a moment where he jumps down to save, like, the Hitler youth looking child. Yeah. And I was like, are they going to try to make me feel that this racist is a hero because he saved a white kid? <laughs> I actually was I'm like, I guess that's heroic, but less because he's a racist. Well, what's funny is the little girl's like hanging off and he's like, come on, take my hand. You can crawl up. I'm like, it's not she, it's like she's it's four feet of water. Like crawl up that thing. It's very simple stuff. Like people are like hanging oh, off. Oh, so of see, yeah, you're like a Darwinist. You're like, let that girl become food. Oh, I no fully, upper body strength. Based on what we got <laughs> in the first ten minutes of that movie, I'm like, this girl, little girl is definitely gonna die. There's no way we're I thought so too. There's no way we're like just there's no way we're all of a sudden changing the rules of this movie. Like, she is dead for sure. But I agree with you. Like, I look, there are aspects, like especially the science fiction part of this movie is really, really fun. And it's classic science fiction creature feature fair. There's no reason not to enjoy that part. But what's weird... Yeah, see, I'm a sucker for that stuff. I sure. always have been. I think anyone who likes genre stuff can watch this movie and appreciate that aspect of it. But that aspect of it takes up roughly 30 minutes of the 79, I believe, <laughs> that this movie has. <laughs> so, like... There's 30 minutes of this movie that are fun, like, cool genre science fiction. And then the rest of it is, like, this weird, uh, like, New World Pictures rape fantasy that all these guys who went back to reshoot the movie uh, were compelled to, uh, compelled by Roger Corman to create. After Barbara Peters turned in what I think actually could be a really interesting uh, allegory for feminism in the 1980s. Like, it really is worth paying attention to, especially like I right. love when Susan Drake in that scene where they're talking about the fish guy in the, in the lab at Canco, when Susan Drake fucking shuts that little, uh, bald guy down, he's like, we knew about it. He goes, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Why don't you shut up? Like it's a yeah. whole thing. Why don't you suck a dick? <laughs> it's like a whole, shut up. <laughs> she fucking shuts that guy down. I'm like, Oh God, dude, Susan Drake is not fucking around. She knows what's up. It's great. Right. And to me, this is the, I think if you reframe this movie, and again, this could be doing all the work for something that doesn't exist, but you feel for Barbara Peters, who made a whole career on making this kind of flick, this kind of exploitative, yeah. uh, exploitative uh, tit flick, right? So I feel for her in this moment where this might be her best known work as a director. So I like the idea that amidst these kind of cringy elements, there is this this fun sci-fi movie with these these rubber monsters where we're seeing these these small stupid men characters uh kind of getting washed asunder as susan drake stands tall and almost is responsible for the pain that becomes this town uh takes the reins and is leading it like this is the thing that movie ends on a fucking somber note oh yeah the boardwalks in flames there's like purple smoke coming out of a carousel everyone looks rocked to the core sure the next thing we see is that fucking hybrid birth. Oh, yeah. So this isn't over. The nightmare for this town isn't over. The cannery's not coming, so insane poverty setting in. Yeah, Canco's definitely not coming in. Yeah, these people would be better off in Silent Hill. Like, this this is gonna (laughs) go bad. Oh, yeah. Very fucking bad for them. And it becomes this... 
the shortcomings of men and the men the men that went back and redid parts of this movie, it almost plays a you better watch out. Look at what you're doing. Think about your decisions. I mean, yeah, honestly, I believe the movie and the production aspects of this movie are a parable for men of all of all men of all ages, which is why don't you just leave your fucking hands? Why don't you just keep your fucking hands to yourself? That's exactly what this movie is. <laughs> this movie is a battle cry to say, guys, just fucking leave it alone. All right. Just let it go. Yeah, it's it's a strange fossil for a, a very different era of filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's we still we still kind of have this movie though. I mean, I guess that's the thing. It's not it's not a bygone film. Like on our other pod long box sessions, we just did Howard the Duck. Yeah. That to me is truly a relic because you probably won't see a kids movie ever be like that again. Right. Uh this movie still exists in a weird way. Corman himself is still producing these kind of movies constantly. Sure. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to get away I mean, I mean, it's it's interesting because in this era of Me Too and Time's Up, you would expect these kinds of movies to be just like shut down immediately. But there's also this kind of aspect like it's not just about like, you know, these like weird male fantasy movies. It's also just, (laughs) you know, the schlock aspect of it all is also a big part of it. And I think that's the thing that's kind of carry on carried on. I think we've I think we've really kind of done a good job of doing away with sort of the male chauvinist fantasy portion of it. But obviously, the, I, I don't know. Obviously, like those movies watch, still exist. Yeah. If you watch a lot of these straight to sci fi's, which is what this movie would be now. Yes. It's still a lot of, oh, we're on a yacht and our tits are bouncing around. Ah! Right. And then like a CG blood splatter or whatever. Right. I mean, this movie so is hardcore. Those elements the still exist. Oh, yeah. Right. This is the thing. I, I think it's kind of funny, right? Like we're all kind of still the humanoids. Yeah. As our brains keep increasing in mass, we're still also just kind of these these horrible monsters that leave our dwellings and do bad things to other people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like <laughs> we I, haven't evolved as much as we. There's like literally to no better. There's no better metaphor in cinema history than guild guild men <laughs> guild men from the deep essentially being the stand-in for just like horny dumbass men who don't know how to keep their hands to themselves. Like that is pretty much the long and short of it. I mean. Yeah, and this is the thing, like, I, any audience member who's made it this far, like, I apologize if you would watch this movie and take umbrage with it. I would get that. Uh, for me, there's, there's a lot of fun elements to this movie, and it's also one of those movies where it's just, it's such a weird story behind the scenes as well. Yeah. That I, I think this was a fun one to talk about, right? Like, I, I understand agree. it has not aged exceptionally well. But, uh, I don't know, man, Barbara Peters... Might be the Susan Drake like character that we needed, man. She I just never so. got her sequel, and I think she never got her fucking sequel, right? But and I agree, and they tried to put together a sequel and never materialized. But in the spirit of the show, I do want to say this, and yes, I did not really enjoy this movie, but how fucking dare you? But it has stood the test of time because, and this is the part of the show we always like the alchemy of filmmaking. It has stood the test of time because. The combination of Barbara Peters' original vision, which was to make this movie that I think is kind of supposed to be a feminist statement, and then this odd merging with Roger Corman and his crew and the Deathstalker director being like, yeah, let's just make a <laughs> you know, fucking tits out movie. Like this yeah. odd merging, and then all the great behind-the-scenes drama has made this movie a time capsule of, I mean, really, A, like, it's a time capsule of like that time period and filmmaking, but also this great example of why we should always let, I mean, why female genre directors or directors are so important. Like they're so important to 
that particular genre because otherwise it does become this sort of like schlock fest of just tits and you know tits and glorious sex which nobody you know i'm i like boobs i'm i'm a guy but at the same time like female directors and genre need need their need their place to talk about this because that's what's great about genre films is they're meant to be these metaphors for our society so there's no reason that female directors should not have the opportunity to make those kinds of great movies and barbara peters is definitely one of those great directors yeah, it's it's hard to imagine this movie coming out with, uh, you know, kind of busty humanoids running on the beach and just jerking guys off into like petri dishes while they <laughs> cried. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of thing you would just never see. So no. So I do sympathize with an audience member that'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know, man. It's it's just one of those things I liked as a youth and I remembered, and I'm like, this will be a strange one. We had a listener mention this. I've I forget who it was, but as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, that'll be a fun one. It's a really fascinating And it pairs with a movie I've been absolutely dying. The Lure is one of like the 10 films. I'm like, this is why we need a movie podcast. Yeah. Because I must discuss this movie. It's (laughs) So that's enough of Humanoids from the Deep. (laughs) You're all safe to go back into the... The, the wilds and do whatever you want. It's okay. We're all going to be all right. Unless we won't be those spaghetti dogs. Unless you're going to pull up a ventrilo- pull out a ventriloqu- ventriloquist doll to try to have sex. That is not going to work at all. At all. I'm not going to lie. I may have Amazon a ventriloquist dummy to try to save my marriage. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Okay. okay, so guys, that's it. We're going to stop it on this one. This is the first of two for the double feature. Coming up next, The Lure. I hope you guys enjoy watching these back-to-back with us. This is a fun weekend thing. I love doing this on, like, Friday, Saturday nights. Hopefully, you guys, too, uh, do, too. Invite a friend. Share the movies and the show with them. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate the help. <laughs>